you found the Out of the Ordinary podcast. Welcome, I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. As usual, we are recording here at Christie's 100-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst, where we enjoy the fine smell of mushroom farms in the distance and an opportunity (laughs) to catch up in person. A few of my very favorite things are a pool of sunshine on a warm wooden floor, ice cream sundaes, and carpool karaoke. Lisa Joe, I love flowers I grew myself, reading a book with a kid on my lap and picnics under a spreading tree. We also really love you guys. We love this community and we love the chance every Wednesday to pop into your earbuds and spend the day with you. Whether you're driving kids to school, washing the dishes, catching up on somebody else's homework, finishing that work project or working in your yard. Why don't you take a moment right now, pause, scroll down and click the subscribe button. We want to make sure you don't miss a single conversation with us. Now it's time. Get comfy. Here we go. Christy, my very favorite thing that we do all year with your family is approaching in just a few weeks. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Let there be 2,000 Easter eggs. (laughs) Like you think you can outgrow the joy of a good Easter egg hunt and you do not, my friends. It gets better (laughs) as you get older. It has become my favorite, favorite thing that we do here at Maplehurst. I I literally can picture it in my mind, like swimming in a sea of those pastel plastic egg cups after the hunt, just piled in mounds on the front lawn as our children divvy up their loot. And I'm so excited. I feel like this will be year number five that we've done this with you guys. Is Maybe more. We should have done the math. We are not good at math, no, but many, many done years. A lot of them. <laughs> yeah. You guys, are you ready? Because today's episode is going to be so much fun. We are going to talk about a very practical, very easy way to engage your neighbors using the lure of plastic eggs. <laughs> Okay, but before I dive in, Lisa Joe, I think I should just mention that if if you're listening and you are on Instagram, you have an Instagram account, I would encourage you, if you're not already, to follow me and follow Lisa Joe. I'm at Christy Purifoy. That's with an I-E, Purifoy, P-U-R-I-F-O-Y, and follow at Lisa Joe Baker because we're about to do this. It's we're, going to be a literal step-by-step visual because yes. Christy will show so everything will, on after, Instagram. I think after we have this conversation today, after you listen in, you're going to want to see, and Easter is fast approaching, but you're going to want to see the pictures we share at Easter time. Oh, and I'm already praying for good weather. I so, know, oh. I know. Although we've had cold ones, but we've never actually had rain. No, it's always been we, beautiful. We've always had it. And so. I'm so excited because the planning begins now. That's right. why we have this episode now. So it's actually still doable. Listen to this, learn from Christy, and then just be brave and try something new because all of it is completely easy, doable hospitality. So if you've already listened to our earlier episode, I believe it's episode seven. It's the one called Instead of Setting Goals try this, then you know we have talked a little bit about this Easter egg hunt tradition here at Maplehurst. That episode gave some of the story behind how we got started and how I had really just felt this very small whisper of an invitation from God about 
doing this, what was a very scary thing at the time, inviting all of our neighbors um, <laughs> who we had not met yet. We did not know any of these people. We had just moved into the neighborhood. And yet that year, that first year, we invited everyone uh, to Maplehurst for an Easter egg hunt. So I encourage you to go back if you haven't already and listen to episode seven to sort of get the story behind the story. But today, because Easter is approaching again, this one is really just to tell you more about how the tradition has grown into, from what was a, a sort of hard, scary thing to do, it has become one of the easiest ways that we show hospitality here at Maplehurst. And most delicious. It is. It's so <laughs> much fun. So, Okay, guys, this is this is this is what it looks like. This is all it takes. I tell uh, I tell everyone this is the easiest way to have like a hundred people over to your house. <laughs> I know because really right there that sounds really intimidating. A hundred people does. over to your house. And I think especially because you might have a smaller house, right? Right. So think about what is a hundred for you? What's your version of a hundred? Exactly. So it maybe scales up or right. down. So maybe exactly. you've never had twenty people because you're in an apartment, or maybe yeah. you've never thought of having thirty people in your backyard. Yes. Maybe you can fit a hundred, maybe it could be more, but this basically is practical, simple hospitality for a large group of people. Yes. And it, like I said, it can scale up or down. Uh, it can be, you know, whatever that big group is for you. For us, it ends up being about 100 people. Um, but you might live on a farm and it could go even bigger. So this is what we do. Um, about the beginning of Lent, so a few weeks before Easter, um, I send out invitations to all of the houses in my neighborhood. So like many of you, uh, we live in a fairly typical suburban style neighborhood. Although our home is this old farmhouse, the farm around it was sold off to a developer many years ago. And now we live sort of tucked into the middle of um, a quite common you know, style of, of suburban development. So that means, you know, houses close together and sidewalks and cul-de-sacs and, you know, kids on their bikes. And so what I do, because I don't know all my neighbors, although I, I know many of them, and I don't necessarily want to, uh, you know, pay the postage to stick something in the mail. I don't have all their email addresses. So I just print something simple out on my computer. Inviting. I like that the first year you had like a clip art bunny. <laughs> Like, guys, we're not talking Pinterest. We're not talking like some very the, expensive yeah. cardstock. Like, this is yeah. your basic clip art dragged onto a piece of paper and printed at home. So last year, I upped my game with a, a pretty invitation I, I designed on Canva. Oh, but yeah. I almost I almost hesitate to do it because I had become attached to that clip art bunny. <laughs> So Canva is just a free online program, C-A-N-V-A dot com. Mm -hmm. And it just allows you to basically pick from designs that yeah. they have and put in your own information. But you weren't then printing it at like a Shutterfly no, or a, you no, still no, just no. printed it on your home, home computer, computer, right? It's not folded fancy. No, it's just like a paper, letter a size flyer. sheet of paper. Yeah, exactly. You could print it a couple to a page. And if you wanted to cut them and save paper, I didn't even do that. It just printed one to a page. And tried that first year to print enough for each house. And then I always, it's always on a cold, blustery day, it seems, <laughs> where I think, oh, spring will never come. <laughs> Easter will never come. Right, guys. So if you start to have doubts, if you start to think you're crazy or foolish yes. or nobody will care, every year, Christy feels every that way. Every year, I think, oh, why, why am I here again on this windy day <laughs> delivering papers to all these people I don't know? But I will. I'll go house to house. And it's just a nice walk. It usually takes me a half hour or so, maybe a little longer. And um, you're not really, at least in the U.S., I was ask you, you're not you put them really in supposed to put them in the mailbox. I'll just say, 
away. <laughs> if on a windy day you don't want it to blow away and you feel like you can get away with it, but technically you shouldn't put anything in a mailbox that you haven't paid the postage mm. for. So I'll try to slip it under their welcome mat or tuck it behind their, you know, screen door. If I or if I see them, I'll just, you know, hand it over in person. Or I, you know, maybe here or there have tucked, tucked one or two in the mailbox. <laughs> in the mailbox. <laughs> See, what I find the great thing about this kind of invitation is it's so low risk because all families of small children are looking for something to do right. for that Easter egg hunt. Yeah. Everybody is. Yeah. Whether you're a person of faith or not, everybody's kid yeah. wants to go chase down some Easter eggs. Every parent wants a shortcut. And yeah. so if there is a family in the neighborhood who want to do all the legwork and host, mm-hmm. Peter and I would be there in a flash. Mm-hmm. It is why we drive just over an hour to come to Christie's Easter egg hunt. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So yeah. you are basically doing people a favor. When you invite them to this hunt. I, I mean, I say that without sarcasm. You are actually doing them a favor. I'm, glad, a gift. You, I'm glad you see it that way. And that's actually really encouraging to hear. Because um, I don't know why. I still put those little flyers at each house. And, you know, I don't always know who lives in that house. And I think, or, or I, I see cars driving by. And I think, oh, if they're looking at me like, what is that crazy lady out there doing? <laughs> no, they're what like, she yay, <laughs> here comes our invitation this year. <laughs> so we choose always to host it on the same day, the day before Easter. So, uh, you know, that Holy Saturday, that morning has always been our traditional time. Of course, you could do it the weekend before or, you know, you can you can decide um, the time that works for you. But we've always um, just held ours you know, to that one day, 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, the day before Easter. It means that some of our neighbors are traveling at that time. So I've often heard from people who said, oh, we've never been able to make it because we're traveling to family that weekend, but this year we can. Um, so, but that's, you know, that's the time that works for us. So I'll go around, I'll stick those flyers at every house with the basic info, 10 a.m. Saturday, rain or shine, lots of eggs, come to our, <laughs> come to our yard. Easter egg hunters, welcome. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you, um, that first year when all these neighbors who I'd never met actually came. It's so wild. It is still one of my sweetest memories. I was so astonished and so grateful that that they came and that they came with smiles and they came with potted tulips and they came with kids with little bunny baskets. And all girls and, <laughs> in pretty dresses, yeah. all dressed up. Yeah. And, but wait, wait, wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We are, so go we are. back, go back. So do the how-to steps. So yep. we did the invitation. So the invitation is first. And the reason the invitation comes first is because now you are committed. <laughs> You're locked in. There's no escape. <laughs> in my book, Roots and Sky, I write about the first Easter egg hunt that we did. And I say something like, you know, I took that running And it can feel a little bit like, have I just jumped off a cliff? Because now you are committed, but it's good to commit ourselves. And so, uh, so that is always step one for me. Step two is sourcing your Easter eggs, figuring out what you're going to use. And this is one of my favorite, favorite recommendations. So that first year, um, I had a lot of questions about those plastic eggs because I, I know that sometimes they're very flimsy and they'll pop open. I also thought, gosh, am I going to spend a lot so of money much work and stuffing and, all of yeah, them. I remember that stuff. first year when we did, like you, we yeah. still put the kids to work filling I thought, eggs. You know, are these going to come all the way from, you know, across the world from China or is there another alternative? And, you know, I just had questions about like, who, you know, who's making these Easter eggs and what right. are their condition factory conditions? Yes. Like, I don't know. These were the questions running through my head. 
I found a company called, and this is a, I, this tip is primarily for my uh, American listeners, but I hope it encourages anyone to kind of look at what's available in your area. Or I know other countries don't even have the tradition of plastic opening eggs. They just hide little candy. So that might be how you do it. But for those of you who are here in the States, there's a company called Sunny Bunny Easter Eggs. And we will link them in the show we notes. Will. Sunny Bunny Easter Eggs. They're uh, an American company. The the manufacturing and, and distribution is here in the U.S. And they are committed to um, employing uh, Americans with disabilities. So they're, the work that they do, they have a lot of uh, employees who maybe have Down syndrome or have other uh, conditions that might make it harder for them to find meaningful work um, in other contexts. And they're just really committed to being a workplace for, for everyone. So when I found about found out about Sunny Bunny, <laughs> I just love everything about that name. Right? Sunny, Sunny Bunny, Bunny. say that three times fast. Not only that, but the eggs they make, everyone remarks on them. Because I promise you, you have <laughs> never seen a plastic egg like a Sunny Bunny Easter egg <laughs> because they're heavy duty. So you mm. can reuse them year yeah. after year. They do not fall apart. They do not snap open, uh, you know, when you don't want them to. They're the prettiest soft shades. So the other thing about Sunny Bunny is that you can order their eggs uh, empty so that you can fill them yourself, or you can order them already stuffed for a little bit more money, not only with candy, but also with little toys, um, like little little tattoos and stickers rings and, and bracelets. Rings. Yeah. And every year the kids are excited about so they what have they some get. good yeah. some good options there. So next, then it's your eggs. So we actually choose, um, we order some stuffed with toys and some empty because my kids love stuffing the eggs with candy so much. So it's become a favorite. And money. Let's not forget the golden oh, coins yes. that have the golden <laughs> eggs that have money. My kids, my boys, yes. now that they're teens, like their whole goal, they're terrible, is to just chase through the yard and, and find, find all the gold eggs. coins. John's had to put limits this year on how many yeah. gold coins, gold eggs you're allowed to find. So we had we added that tradition a couple years Years in, we thought, let's up the game. What new thing <laughs> can we do? Kids. And Sunny Bunny Eggs sells golden eggs. You can buy a <laughs> box of golden eggs. And so we bought like a hundred of those. And it took us a while to figure out what to put in them. My kids all said, oh, put a dollar bill. And I thought, oh, guys, that's a hundred dollars. Yes. Hello. <laughs> I can't do that. So we put some loose change in those eggs and we try to fill them with quarters. And there's not as many, but they're a special thing when the kids find them. How many them. eggs total? Like last year, how many did yeah, you order? Yeah, we... Uh, it, I only have a, an inexact estimate now because not only do we we try to mostly save the eggs year to year, oh, but really? then I'll, I'll order a few new ones with right. new toys, and so we're kind of always adding and subtracting. And but based on how much I order, it's usually around two thousand eggs, maybe Each a little year more. You order two thousand no, in addition. Uh, we save, you know, a thousand yeah. or so, and then I'll order another thousand, which I know sounds like that must be a huge financial investment, but the prices are actually quite good. Mm. And when you think about how many people you might be hosting, and if your group is smaller, obviously you're not ordering a thousand eggs. You can order a smaller quantity, Um, but you're not, that, that really is where your, your money is going. There's not a lot of, a lot else that you're going to need to, you know, to put money into. Um, The things that we do in addition to the eggs, we, um, we always have some juice uh, and some coffee from the local Dunkin' Donuts. 
and uh, maybe some donut holes. And then the neighbors over the years have started bringing snacks to contribute. You guys, it is like a Pinterest party, what the neighbors bring. Right. I mean, remember the cakes that look like bunnies or they That's look my like neighbor, a flower? Donna. I mean, I don't it's know. just amazing. Donna, are you listening? Your cakes are wonderful. <laughs> They're amazing. So what they do is they, so, you know, we, so I should explain our involvement. We mm-hmm. drive up and have basically staked a claim on this weekend <laughs> in the Purifoy house. Our whole family comes up the night before. We spend the night. We're here in the morning. Peter will help John as he goes out with all the eggs because they can't, you can't really put them out the night before. You want to put them out that morning. And so they go and scatter. And you'd be surprised. I remember John, those first years, and you, I think, talking about how much your back hurt just from bending over (laughs) to place all these eggs. But Pete and John will go out and Christy and put eggs in the yard and they'll set up a big wooden picnic table and, um, you know, the crafts of coffee and orange juice and donut Mm holes. But then as the neighbors start to arrive, it is like a buffet that multiplies. They right. just bring, they bring amazing fruit and food and, and fruit. And then there was a guy last year, the last couple of years, dressed as the Easter Bunny. Yes. Is that one of your neighbors? That's Did you neighbor. ask him to do that? Or he just showed he, up one year as the he, Easter no, Bunny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little scary, wouldn't it? <laughs> wow, well, Easter Bunny's I here. Know. Our kids are fascinated he by him. He told me ahead of time that he had a little something in his closet. <laughs> If I were interested. And my favorite thing is that his kids were there that year hunting and had no idea that it was their father in the costume. (laughs) Well, I can measure time, you know, how many times we've been coming. Because I remember the first years, Zoe was so scared of that Easter bunny. I wouldn't go near him. I just stared at him. But like last year, she was basically his stalker and just followed him him. around (laughs) everywhere, hugging him. And I had to have a hundred pictures of this random Easter bunny man with my daughter because she kept saying, take a picture of us. Take a picture. So I have some tips actually about mixing young kids and Mm -hmm. older kids that we've learned over the years. So we have learned to have a separate area for the very youngest kids to hunt that's sort of bounded in some way. You sort of know like, okay, this spot is is really for the like under. just on your front lawn, you yeah. like the tiny little patch yeah. of lawn. So is kind just of the for five little and kids. unders, maybe, yes. or you know, divide it up how you went. So yes, that's which little- we've learned the hard way. Yeah. It's essential, <laughs> mostly because of our, mine, and your older children right. and how they Stampeding. behave. Stampeding. Yes. <laughs> you don't want little toddlers to get, uh, you know, crushed. Yeah, trampled in the crowd. So we have a separate area for the little ones, and they can go slow, and we start them off off first. So we hold back the crowd of kids and we say, little ones go and they toddle over to their area, usually with their mom or their Mm -hmm. grandma holding their hand and they can start gathering eggs. And then my husband stands up on a big stepladder. It's one of my favorite (laughs) pictures. John is like a giant above all the crowds and you see the blossoms are coming out and the trees above his head and he has his bullhorn and he gives instructions telling the kids, don't go yet. Nope, nobody can go until I say, wait, wait, wait. Or, you know, that year's hazards. Okay, guys, there's a tree down in the corner over there. Stay away. (laughs) Right, right. Nobody go in the barn. He always, um, you know, says a little prayer and a little greeting to the neighbors and a a little, you know, he says a little welcome message. And then we've learned this as well over the years. We used to just say, ready, set, go. But now we stagger the Mm. start times. So he'll say something like, okay, if you're 
six and under or seven and under, go. And the and the youngest ones, they they dash off and they immediately, they start grabbing the eggs, you know, closest right. by. And then the bigger kids are waiting. <gasps> let I me know. go, let me go. Freaking out. Yeah, yes. and they say, okay, if you're nine and under, <laughs> you can go. And then the really big kids are standing like there. torture like, for oh. them. <laughs> I know, it's always our children. But we have found that those big kids really do run fast. And so you, yes, yeah, they so are hold, just hold them back and make them wait. And then they quickly dash off and, and collect all their eggs. And so, um, yeah, so we, we always say start at 10, rain or shine. We have a, you know, half hour or so of chit chat and the little snacks. And then we're very clear in the invitation that the egg hunt starts promptly at 1030. So please be there at 1030 if you want, if you want to participate in that. And then the kids, you know, quickly gather their eggs. And then it's just a fun party after as the kids are sorting through their eggs and, um, bartering, negotiating, bartering, trading, trading. <laughs> parents are chatting. We've always said rain or shine because the thought of rescheduling has yeah. felt maybe too difficult for me. Um, but you're right that we haven't yet had to to cancel altogether because of severe weather. And right. I'm, I'm hoping this year with the Black Barn up that even if we had a more of a rain, that there we now have a sort of indoor right. gathering place. Because honestly, it's not going to stop the children. They're going to be yep. out there in they raincoats hunt and, and raincoats and we yeah. don't care. Yeah. And I, I hope those of you listening are hearing really how simple it is. Print up an invitation and deliver it. Order eggs, you can get them pre-stuffed, so mm-hmm. you don't even have to stuff them. Mm-hmm. And I know Christy and them are very conscious of allergies, so there's no mm-hmm. chocolate in their eggs at all. Right. No chocolates or peanuts. That's our, yeah, that's what we choose it's to do. It's all candies. And then hide the eggs, which is really fun, mm-hmm. and have a picnic table with maybe some coffee and donut holes. Mm-hmm. And your neighbors, once they get wind of the fact that you do this, mm-hmm. will every year show up with whatever bounty mm-hmm. they bring. Mm-hmm. And then you hunt and you get to hang out and chat. Mm-hmm. And the great thing thing is if you are an introvert which you know Christy is <laughs> and her husband John's an extreme extrovert but when you have an activity like this, right. it's so much more comfortable it to is. hang out and talk because people have their kids and their baskets and the parents mm-hmm. are all taking pictures and it's beautiful. And it's not like you're sitting there now just trying to grill each other with questions to mm-hmm. get to know one another. It's just a very natural way that conversation happens and community mm-hmm. is built around what looks like it has really high impact, but is pretty low mm-hmm. prep in many ways. It really is. I have found too, that there's something about Easter. So even if your neighbors are not uh, religious people, maybe they don't observe Easter. I have quite a few neighbors who have very different backgrounds, and I know that Easter is not in their family celebration at all. And yet, it is, I I think there's a universal appeal to the fact that here we are at the very end of winter, the very beginning of spring. Usually, our egg hunts come on one of the very first days when it really feels like, oh, yes, okay, spring is coming. And here we are after being hidden away in our homes all winter. We're out again. We're in a yard. We're talking again. We're seeing our neighbors again. Our kids are getting reacquainted. Whether Easter already has religious meaning for you or not, it's a powerful experience to leave your home at the end of winter, the beginning of spring, to reconnect with your neighbors and to celebrate. And what I've noticed is that even though, you know, our um, amongst a large group of neighbors, there's a lot of differences, we are 
on that day for that morning, completely united in our joy and our smiles and our, you know, we talk a lot about the weather, like, oh, it's fine. The sun is finally right. out. Or, or wasn't it great last week when it got so warm and it's, it's coming, it's coming. And, you know, we check up, how have you been over the winter? And I just, there's something about this time of year that makes um, this sort of gathering just that much more special, yeah. that much more meaningful. And I love it because I feel like you and John cultivate layers to that gathering. You know, there's the initial, everybody's there. We do the hunt. We laugh afterwards about our kids and the Easter eggs. We take pictures. But there's always then an intimate group within the group who will start to come toward the house mm -hmm. and make their way to the kitchen. And they are your circle of friends, close friends that mm -hmm. you've cultivated. Some drive from Philadelphia, some are coming from DC area like us you have friends come from all over mm -hmm. and what's fun is before the hunt they'll have arrived earlier and they've usually brought food that's for lunch then mm -hmm. afterwards and usually oh man, a pot of soup I feel like it's everyone brings soup and bread, bread the homemade bread <laughs> yeah. I can start drooling right now when I think about your friend who always he always brings the bread and he yeah. has it in the oven and to me, that how you've cultivated a neighborhood community, but you also use that day to cultivate your close friendship mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. That extra layer, I think, is what especially makes that day so meaningful for mm -hmm. us as your friends. Mm -hmm. I think for me as well, there's that movement from the big outdoor celebration um, with some neighbors I know well and a lot of neighbors I don't know well. And it's right. just this big party feeling. And then you're right, as the neighbors drift home, uh, we uh, drift into the house. And then we have that potluck lunch mm -hmm. right there on the day before Easter together. And that moment around the table, I think, especially after the, the big outdoor energetic celebration has become very sweet for me. And I don't think it's just because I'm an introvert and because I love mm -hmm. the, the, the quieter moments, but it just feels, I don't know, somehow the rhythm of that from big and glorious and outside to now back indoors, quiet and connecting and eating good food. It um, It's just sort of developed organically. I don't, right. I don't know that we ever even planned it to be that way, but that's how it was, it's grown. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, again, thinking about it through the eyes of a hostess, what's so wonderful about that is everybody brings a pot. Like they arrive with a crock a pot. Yeah. yeah. Like you yeah. sometimes have a salad, but people have brought mm -hmm. salad too. They bring bread, they mm -hmm. cut it up, there's juice or water, there's... Um, an opportunity where John and you can pray over everybody. There's a sense of gathering, of slowing down, of fellowship mm -hmm. and friendship. And it is a sort of that same feeling you have in the big group, but in a smaller group that resurrecting out of winter, yeah. you know, of reconnecting, mm -hmm. of yeah. conversations, of asking how the winter season has been, what are mm -hmm. the hard things you're coming out of, just a lot of really organic, natural conversation that then happens over bowls and bowls and bowls of soup because mm -hmm. everybody tries everybody's. And I always remember that feeling of like outside, often it's quite crisp still, it's not necessarily warm, yeah. <laughs> kind of a little nip in the air. And then as you drift inside, the kitchen is so warm and humid from all the steam coming <laughs> <laughs> off the soups and we gather around and we cut fresh warm bread and put butter on it and the fare is really basic when mm -hmm. you think about it but deeply satisfying because it's shared with people you love or you're just getting to know we every year meet new friends of yours from here um, but we and that group of people share the intimacy of faith and a real belief about what the season means and mm -hmm. what Easter is and the opportunity to just sit and share food and conversation in that way is just so satisfying. Mm. It's amazing. 
So do you think, Lisa Joe, as someone who you've observed this event year after year and you've watched John and I, you know, pull it together, are there other questions that people might still have about the practical side of it? Have I communicated just yeah, how easy it really you, is? <laughs> I think you really have. And I think it's helpful to hear from you because I do think in our minds when we think of an event as big in terms of numbers, mm-hmm, we assume mm-hmm. it means it's big in terms of work right. as well. But what's so wonderful about this is you taking that first step. And I'm guessing the hardest one was that first year when yes. you were figuring it out yes. and you were unsure and it did sort of feel like work because you you didn't have a rhythm yes. or a now practice set up. Now I feel like up. it almost does itself. Right, yeah. right. And so I think when Christy was talking about that and she said to me, oh, it's the easiest thing we do all year, I was surprised mm. and said, oh, we need to talk about that and do like a <laughs> whole episode because how could it possibly could it be? <laughs> the easiest thing you do all year. Um, and yet it has such huge impact and is so wonderful. And I know if I look forward to it, I know your neighbors all think about it coming too. And there is something about the turning of the seasons outside the window and the daffodils peeking up where you start the thing. Here it comes. It's mm-hmm. Easter egg hunt season. You know what I would love to hear from our listeners this week? I'm thinking even just beyond Easter that there may be sort of traditions of gathering and traditions of hospitality uh, that others have um, that are regular in this way. Like, mm. you know, maybe one yeah. time they 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 hosted people for the first soup of the fall or something, right. and now they do it every year. Or maybe they've done something once or twice and they're thinking, oh, that could be my thing right. year after year. What, is, what does it look like yeah. for you? Because that caught me thinking one of the most fun things we did at our house one year is host a, an all-out Nerf gun war for all the boys in our oh, church and that. teen group. And it was epic. And our youth pastor helped us run it. And we had pop-up tents all over the yard and all kinds of Nerf battle gear. And, you know, it was pretty low impact. And then we ordered pizza from Costco, mm. you know. But it was something they talked about for ages afterwards. How that sounds really that easy, was. too. Or tea, you know. I host that often at my house mm. for a group of girlfriends where that's pretty simple as well. Mm. Everybody brings something and there's tea that you serve. So I it got me thinking about the kinds of gatherings – where you don't feel high anxiety about yeah. doing it, you right? You just enjoy you it. You just get to enjoy mm-hmm. it. And everybody's expectation is at a certain level, yes. right? They're not yeah. expecting a big sit-down, three-course fancy right. meal with candles. <laughs> They're just coming for the fellowship and the enjoyment of the food yeah. that's simple and easy and really the conversation and the experience is why you're there. Mm. So I would love to hear from our listeners. Tag us on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Tag at Christy Purifoy or at Lisa Jo Baker. Use um, the hashtag out of the ordinary podcast because anything you post there, everybody else in the community can see. Let's crowdsource some ideas for what easy, everyday, ordinary hospitality looks like because really it's out of those ordinary stories that... We cultivate these extraordinary memories that every year we revisit. It's just so, it's so special. So trust me when I tell you, you are going to want to watch Chrissy's stream. I will make sure on Instagram that she posts <laughs> lots of you know, video of what the hunt looks like because it's just so full of joy and beauty. And the, really the rainbow of those eggshells yeah. afterwards, the pastel rainbow of colors, just all pools, it feels like, <laughs> all over the lawn. Is something you just have to see. It is so, so beautiful. So happy spring and happy looking forward to Easter season together, friends. And we can't wait to see what you let us into in your stories of what everyday ordinary hospitality looks like. Mm-hmm.